0: Hi, this is Adam Forziati, the web editor for Commercial Integrator magazine, and you're listening to AV+. Plus. It's the new podcast from CI about AV technology for sure, but anything basically under the umbrella of commercial tech. And as you know, that's a very big umbrella. I'm recording once again from my hotel room here in Amsterdam for the second day Uh, of ISE, Integrated Systems Europe 2018. So I'm really just going to make this a really quick episode like last night's and uh, just give a really quick recap of the basic themes I saw on the show floor during day two. Now if you're listening to these little mini episodes in chronological order you'll remember that last night I mentioned that today I'd be talking a little bit more about the augmented reality and VR solutions that we're seeing here on the show floor at ISE 2018. But um yeah, I'm not gonna do that tonight. Uh, the, the, the story is that uh, that hall, uh, hall number eight for those of you who are at the show, it's a little out of the way and if you've ever been to ISE you know what I'm talking about. I'm uh, <laughs> just gonna try to go back again tomorrow and believe me I will go back there tomorrow even if I have to walk another uh, full route of the ride just to go because I think VR and AR solutions deserve a little bit more attention than you might first think to give them. Um, If Mike Blackman, the director of ISC, is allowing them on the show floor, he's doing it for a reason, and uh, all of you naysayers out there who are saying that VR and AR just aren't practical yet, you may very well be right. They may not be practical yet, okay? I'm not going to try to argue that they are just yet, but um, many people disagree, and many people think that if they aren't uh, practical yet, that they uh, will be soon. So, uh, stay tuned on that. Tomorrow I will make my way over to Hall and and uh, I'll report my findings then. But for tonight, uh, let me recap what happened uh, on day two of ISE 2018. So, uh, I did notice in uh, all of my booth visits that there is like a really uh, important stress on uh, technology that needs to be smart. And, you know, in the consumer side and uh, in the business application side, we're of course talking about Alexa and IoT. Uh, And IoT is coming to your meeting rooms if you don't already uh, know that. But when I say smart technology tonight, I'm talking about an emphasis on easy programming, okay, and automation. Um, A BiAmp Devio mic, for example, that sets up quickly and tracks different speakers as they move around the room. Or like a Christie software that automatically makes real-time projection mapping realignments if the projector gets bumped for example. So these are all examples of smart technology as well, just a different type, Uh, insofar as they are interconnected, um, intercompatible, and also they are just each a product that does a lot itself. So uh, smart technology I think um, is being sort of redefined or at least expanded on and um, it's really important for manufacturers to make something that both act as a catch-all for all these certain scenarios but also are easy to install. That's sort of like the trick that I think any successful manufacturer going forward in just about any market is going to have to have to pull off. Like you're gonna to have to make a product that is easy to demo, easy to install, Um, and easy to get up and running, but also is fairly complex in so far as how many situations it can be applied in. Now, this may seem like business 101 to anybody who's thinking like a manufacturer, but from the integrator's point of view, this is important stuff. You know, you need to be able to have these elements to sell to your clients and sell to them better. Solutions seem to need to be able to go anywhere nowadays. So yes, there are tons of verticals and situations that you know certain solutions can fit in, but companies and manufacturers are increasingly trying to make su- sure that their products are simple to install, yet smart and flexible enough to fit in more and more situations. So that's basically my takeaway theme from the day, but uh, I did uh, stop by the BiAmp booth, and that was a pretty interesting affair. I met with uh, the new CEO, his name is Rashid Skoff. Uh, and he said a number of things that caught my attention about his strategy for growing Biamp in the next few years. He says it will include many acquisitions. So that's interesting. He wants to um, to grow Biamp in a way that um, you know it goes completely global. He explicitly told me that right now Biamp is a U.S. company that sells internationally. In the near future, however, he wants it to be an international company that also happens to sell to the U.S. So that's really uh, a clear picture of where we think Biamp is going to go in the next few years. If you're a, a dealer who uh, goes after Biamp products a lot and sort of swears by their, uh, their products, you should know that they're probably going to be acquiring in the near future, at least if that's what Mr. Scoff says is true. Like I mentioned last night, I saw even more um, extremely high-definition displays, which uh, again begs the question to me if integrators should really take advantage, if they're able, of uh, video content uh, delivery, not just integration, but video content production, uh, if there are already such pros at integrating the actual delivery of those uh, solutions. I mean, there's just a screen everywhere you look at ISE this year, and I'm sure that that's not different from last year, but you know, it, just, it gets me thinking that if this is the future, a very video-centric future, you, know, you need to be able to uh, at least have a small hand in the production uh, value and the production quality that you uh, bring to clients, not just in the integration standpoint. For example, you probably want your uh, integration solutions to look their best on the new 100 inch 4K screen from Dynascan. Uh, That company says that they're really focusing on uh, outdoor series right now, 4,000 nits of brightness, and uh, that they don't have to fully encase some of their outdoor products, just make sure that it's cooling uh, appropriately and uh, it's a pretty flexible solution for outdoor applications. Uh, the big QSC news right now is that they've opened a new EMEA HQ in Germany. Uh, new distribution model in Europe. Uh, last thing I really wanted to quickly mention is uh, Oblong Industries. They've uh, started really pushing out their uh, collaboration solution. It's called Mezzanine, and uh, what struck me about it is that you know the, the the operator who showed me just used like this little remote, and you saw the uh, the target for that remote. It's almost like a little handheld mouse on the screens, and it was just very fluid. You you would think that moving elements with a remote uh, on a screen that isn't a touchscreen, you would think that that is sort of a little clunky, but it really didn't operate clunky at all. It was very smooth and uh, impressive, so check out Oblong Mezzanine's collaboration system when you get the chance. I saw some more companies like Audio Control that are made in the USA, or at least mostly made in the USA, which, again, I only, uh, Say that because a lot of our North American listeners, you know, they take a little bit of pride in that when they can. So uh, that's a pretty interesting um, development that I'm finding is that so many companies that are coming to this global trade show from the United States are really uh, trying to get the message out there that they almost completely manufacture their products in the USA. So I'm going to go ahead and cut it right here, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I will be reporting one last time tomorrow night about day three of the trade show then i gotta leave on friday so that'll be uh, that'll be it for me at ISE 2018 but one more day to go through and i will uh, talk to you all tomorrow thanks for listening to av plus the new podcast from commercial integrator you will hear from me very soon